Good morning, guys. We're going to get started a bit early so we can give our speakers and guests a little more time to present to you guys. Um, thank you for coming. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Mo Dodkin. I'm our 2018 YPN chair. Um, thanks for coming to our second breakfast. The um, topic today is 2018 design trends. I'm excited to hear from two experts on uh, 2018 designs. I think all of us have an idea of what we think the uh, hot designs are, but I think they're probably going to surprise us with uh, their knowledge. Um, before we get started, I want to acknowledge our 2018 YPN board. So if you guys can please stand up, that would be awesome. You're tall enough to just wave. You don't have to stand all the way up. Um, keep an eye out for our upcoming events. Our 20, uh, our April breakfast is going to be working with investors. It's going to be a really cool one. Got a great panel there. Um, the average uh, home seller sells every five to seven years. The average investor um, buys every 18 months. So um, it's a missed piece of real estate for most realtors, and it's going to be a really cool topic. Also, keep an eye on our website and your emails for our uh, summer mixer and a kickball tournament we're going to have in June. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be citywide, and it's going to be competitive, and we're going to play some kickball and drink a little bit for you guys. Um, I want to take a moment, acknowledge our sponsors uh, before we get started, um, whom without we couldn't do these uh, cool breakfasts and events. Thank you to our business partner, Neighborhood Loans. Let's give them a clap. Um, thank you to our silver sponsors, Alliance Title Corporation, Common Christie's International Real Estate, and Robert Archibald with State Farm Insurance. Now for our gold sponsors, we're gonna invite them up to give you guys uh, some uh, one minute brief updates. So first up, I wanna welcome At Properties. We got up. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I just want, uh, my name's George Schultz. Um, we're really thrilled that we are a gold sponsor and, and happy to be here. I manage our Bucktown office and director of operations over in Indiana and Michigan. And I just wanted to take my 60 seconds to talk about uh, positive proactive communication that demonstrates care, duty, loyalty, and skill so that you can be an active participant in your, your clients by yourself. And there, there are two tangible examples that I'll give you that I see quite frequently um, when your listing agents get showings. You know, they typically call their seller and what do they say? I got a showing request or an agent would like to show. What I'd, what I'd like people, I'd rather hear them say, you know, I reverse prospecting and created a showing for Thursday at four o'clock. Or we got a hit from our marketing and I have a showing. At a minimum, to say that you created the showing, that your marketing is what did it, that you're working and demonstrating that every day you're doing something to sell their home. The other thing I wanna talk about is when you're working with buyers. A lot of people have buyers that say, hey, we're gonna take a six month break or perhaps you have some a, a warm prospect. You know, a lot of times when someone says that to us, we'll put in a calendar invite in our, our outlook, say three months later, call and check in. I wanna make sure that you're taking that person's name, putting them on a board, putting them on a spreadsheet, something that reminds you about what their search is. And every day when you check the hot sheets or check what's going on, if you see something that might work for them, call them up. Hey, I know uh, you're not looking for six months or whatever it is, but a great place came on the market. I'd like to pick you up and show you the neighborhood and take a look and see if the home meets your wants and needs so we're ready when you're ready. 
what this does is this is going to hopefully prevent that call if you do call them in three or four months and they say, oh, George, I was going to call you. We were up in Winnetka at a friend's barbecue and their neighbor was selling their house. I mean, we live in Winnetka. Want to come up for a barbecue? We want to prevent that from happening. So, so proactively contact your people, stay with them. Communica- communication, communication, communication is as important as location, location, location. And finally, be kind. The spring market is heated up. We have very low inventory. There's multiple offers out there. Take a breath, a lot of stress, and just be kind to one another and you'll be treated in a kind manner. So thank you very much and we're thrilled to be here. Awesome advice from Ann. Next up, a representative from First American Title. Claps. We got two. Hi, I'm Michelle Hoffenberg with First American Title. We're uh, honored to be sponsors this year, and this is Tyler. Good morning, everyone. I'm Tyler Tosh with First American Title. I actually run our real estate program with First American Title. So we're putting a stronger initiative on working with real estate agents, providing them value as well as information in terms of what we do from the title perspective side. Oftentimes, it's kind of this unknown entity, what the title industry does and how we can provide value to you guys. So one of the ways we have is a automated net sheet. So some of you may use an Excel file. Maybe you give your clients a percentage or what have you. But we actually have, it's called Costs First. It's a no-charge service. It's an app, it's a website. What it does is it provides you guys our title fees as well as the attorney fees, commission fees, transfer stamps, all in an automated format where you can simply just enter in where the home is, what the loan value is, price point, and that works for both your buyers and sellers as well as you can print that out, email that. So that's just one of the ways that we at First American Title are working to provide value to you as the real estate agents. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you, First American. Um, and now a word from Owl Management. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lauren, and I am with Owl Management. We are a residential property management company, and we focus on managing individual condo units, single-family homes, and multi-unit buildings. We really work to partner with realtors like you guys and to be a resource for you. And one of the ways we're actually doing that is we've started a kind of a lunch and learn session of our own where we go in and teach best landlord practices and best leasing practices to your agents or your office. We did one this last month that was really successful and went through things like why we don't recommend security deposits, the differences in furnished and unfurnished apartments, why it's important to list recycling information in your lease, and all sorts of stuff that may be new information for your agents and helps your agents be more knowledgeable to their clients. So if you'd be interested in having your office have one of these, uh, let me know and we can line one up. Thanks. Thank you, Owl. Now, please help me welcome Waterstone Mortgage. Thanks, Mel. Hey, everybody. Good morning. I really want to give a round of applause to Mel because he's just one of the kindest people that I've been associated with in this entire community. We love this guy. Um, Waterstone came to market last summer. Uh, we are a publicly traded bank, so we have portfolio products all the way across the board to your regular government and conventional loans. Um, 
we've been fortunate enough to roll out to the city of Chicago a platinum approval program where we were underwrite before you're in contract. So we'll do everything besides title and appraisal. So we are doing seven-day closings on those. My team has prospected about $75 million this first quarter, and about $10 million of it went to that platinum approval program. So what we're looking to do is help you guys in a low inventory market where rates are increasing, move fast, get your commissions faster, and have the ability to work with people that know what they're doing. Um, I've got some great little treats and some literature and some branded chargers for you guys to take with you when you leave. Please stop by, say hi to some of the guys on my team, and uh, we'd love to work with you. So everyone, I hope you're uh, happy to be here as much as we are. Thank you. Thank you. My next guest better say something nice about me too. <laughs> uh, last but not least, Adam Wildy of the Wildy Law Group. Always fishing for compliments. Yeah, take them um, when I can get them. All right, I want to talk to you guys for one minute about uh, wire fraud. It's affecting not only our industry but every single industry, and there's two things that are going on right now. Um, most of you guys represent buyers. Buyers have to wire money for closing. What's happening is hackers are hacking accounts or they're spoofing accounts. Hacking accounts, they're in your emails and they're sending fake wiring instructions from your email account. Two, they're spoofing your email. Hi, this is Mo Dodka. Here are your wiring instructions. What's happening is buyers are getting to closings. Their money isn't there. So I tell all of you this because you're going to be the first line of defense. There's two things that you as a real estate broker should do. One, have policies and procedures in place to combat wire fraud. It's really simple. You get a client under contract, stop them. Let them hear the severity, the inflection in your voice. Say, hey, wire fraud is real. It's happening every day. Do not ever send wiring instructions without confirming them with a person over the phone to the voice that you know. Number two, Work with vendors, people that you refer that have policies and procedures in place to combat wiring fraud. Um, anyone that's ever been on a deal with me, you're going through an attorney mod call, first thing I do is I stop, I talk to my client and say, hey, I have to get this out of the way, but I have to tell you, wire fraud's real. My office will not email wire instructions. We have other procedures to send them in a secured measure. So I ask that you work with an attorney, a lender, any one of your other vendors that has procedures and policies in place. There's a lot of good attorneys here that I, I talk to about this all the time. So um, if you're interested in learning more, you want a presentation, you want to talk to your managing broker about this, we'll come out and show you some good strategies on how to do it. So thank you. Um, Mo, you look great, by the way. There's your Thanks, buddy. <laughs> what a guy. Um, before I forget, because uh, my YPN board will uh, get mad at me, uh, this thing that goes around, guys, if you guys uh, see this going around and can donate to it, it would really help out the YPN fund. Uh, it all goes to charity. None of it goes to us. Um, so please donate if you can. Um, thank you again to all of our sponsors. Um, we're super excited to hear about all the services, and you guys all had some great tips. Before we get to our speakers, though, I wanted to invite our car director of government affairs, Breath, Beth Wanless, up to share a little bit about Capital Conference, which is coming up really fast. It's really cool. If you guys haven't been, um, I'm sure Beth is going to explain why it's important to go. <laughs> Thank you. You can call me Breath. I get that all the time. Good morning, everybody. I'm Beth Wanless. I work for you as the Director of Government Affairs. Who is going to the Illinois Realtors Capital Conference? Raise your hand. Awesome. Okay, now who in this room, raise your hand, who lives in Illinois? Raise your hand. Do you live in Illinois? Okay, who works in real estate? Raise your hand. Okay, so I expect everybody to be at the Capitol Conference on April 10th. It is in Springfield, it's a couple hours away. 
Um, but we have a free shuttle bus that will take you there and back in the same day. So you can, well, you probably won't be able to tuck your kids in, but you can get there and back in one day. Um, the day before, there is a YPN event. It's from 2 to 4 p.m. That's on April 9th. And then there's, of course, the uh, Realtor of the Year Awards that evening. And there will be a cocktail reception, which I know is very important to YPNers. So please, please, please register. Um, April 10th, that's basically an opportunity for you to get to know your state senators and state representatives. Um, there will be a legislative briefing at the, the convention center because it is such a large group going this year. And then we'll have a bus take you over to the state house where we will have a room reserved for Chicago area legislators. So we'll all be there hanging out and they'll kind of come in and talk to us. We can tell them about the issues that we're passionate about. So like I mentioned, if you live in Illinois and you work in real estate, all of these issues will be important to you. Um, I would definitely say this is the most important event of the year because we all know that crazy policies get passed every year in state legislatures across the country. Unfortunately, Illinois is one of those legislatures. So we need to make sure that everybody knows what we think and what we feel about certain laws. Um, I know rent control will probably be talked about, which is a hot topic right now. Um, a couple other issues are gonna be spoken about and we'll hit on what those are. Um, I'll talk about them on the bus going up. We'll also watch a movie, relax, have a couple of snacks. Um, and then we'll learn more about what we're gonna be talking about a little bit closer to the event. So we do this for two reasons. One, because we wanna show that we're a strong voice. We have 47,000 members in the state of Illinois. So there's no reason for us not to get in front of these legislators and say, look, here's who we are and here's what we're passionate about and here's what's important to us. Um, the second reason is to make sure that good laws are passed. Because if you don't speak up, if you don't tell them what's important to you, they're gonna think you don't care. So this is a very important event. Um, you can go to chicagorealtor.com to register. It's a free event, no charge. Everything is covered because it is so important. Uh, we decided that everything should be covered financially for you. So if you have any questions, shoot me an email, shoot me a text, hit me up on Facebook, whatever. But please, please, please mark your calendar for April 10th. It's a very important event and I really hope to see you all there. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. Um, I'm going to follow up and say the same, kind of the same thing really quickly. Um, go to this if you can. I went two years ago. It was one of the best events I'd ever been to. Um, your GADs, um, your RPAC committee, they work so, so hard for um, all of your rights. And going down there and actually seeing them do it will blow your mind. It's, it's incredible. If you guys can go, go, take the bus down, drive down, whatever you got to do, get down there. Um, now it's time for what you guys came for, uh, our guests. We're going to do this a little different. I'm not going to be asking questions. The guests are going to give you guys about 15 minutes of uh, their tips and tricks and uh, their advice. And then um, at the end, I'll come back and you guys can ask them some questions. So uh, please welcome our first presenter, Bryn Olson from Bryn Olson Design Group, LLC. Bryn began her design career creating large-scale indoor and outdoor painted murals for commercial spaces and residences. Her love for art and design inspired her to join the Nate Burkus Associates in 2008. She furthered her education in interior design at Harrington College of Design while working full-time with the NBA family and managed and designed projects for commercial and private high-end residential clients and celebrities featured on and in the Nate Burkus Show, the Oprah Winfrey Show, and more. 
Her work can also be seen in major publications and TV programs, including the Chicago Tribune, the Today Show, and Family Circle Magazine. Please give a welcoming hand to Bryn Olsen. Good morning, good morning. Um, I'm Bryn Olson. Um, and uh, Dan and I um, had a little briefing before, and um, a birdie told us that your favorite part is the Q&A, so we're gonna try to make it as short as possible. Um, but I could literally stand here for an hour and talk about this because, um, I mean, this is part of what we do. We're really passionate about homes. Um, and number two, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, owning my own business, um, the name of the game is to sell and make money. So um, what I wanted to do, talking about 2018 trends, is actually, I um, kind of shy away from the, from the word trend. Um, we're kind of the anti-trend firm um, because there is a connotation of fleeting and uh, a waste of money, if you will, for our clients. And so I think that that might be a connotation that you find with your clients. So I wanted to approach it with um, talking about design elements as timeless trends that, that, um, and tips that I can give you that will be a good investment uh, for you guys to tell your clients, um, as well as I wanna talk about investor uh, tips. Um, so I'm gonna kind of talk about, instead of trends, timeless trends, if you will. Um, and I'm gonna talk about it in a way that um, I want you to be able to apply in real life in terms of um, trends that you can keep in the back of your mind uh, for when you're trying to sell a property. Um, trends when you're walking around uh, with a client uh, that's looking to buy a home and you approach you know, what could seem like a not good fit, but if you have these tips in the back of your mind to rattle off to them, um, it could be a game changer in terms of taking what could be a, a property that is a loser to a winner. Um, and then third, um, from the investment standpoint, I will talk a little bit more about how, um, you know, we work with a lot of new builds and um, we do a really intense interview process when we work with any client. So I've learned so much about what people really want. So I'll give you a couple tips and tr about trends that um, people are asking for, um, for investment properties and quick flips and, um, and things like that. Um, all right, so, so first things first. Um, a lot of things, these might be kind of no-brainers to you, but um, I'll kind of reiterate why they're important. Um, okay, so first thing, first things first. If you are um, walking around basically um, with, a, with a buyer trying to find um, you know, a good match for them, some, some quick tips, all right, so if they walk in to uh, a place and there's a kitchen that's grossly outdated, um, a lot of that is because there's old trends implemented in there. So I'm sure, as you know, a quick change of backsplash is, is um, always the tip number one. And a trend, what not to do, is anything that's scrolly or, or mosaic-y or, um, I call it the trellis design, which is so, like grossly outdone in the 2000s, right? Um, so you still see it because there's still a market for it, but we really recommend to go away from that trellis scrolly design and more towards, um, you know, I say almost like geometric patterns, a little bit of sharp edges. Subway tile is always going to be on trend um, because it's timeless. It's been around for centuries, um, for instance. Um, another 
real quick thing is changing, I, I'm sure you all know, changing the faces of um, cabinetry is going to be such a quick and easy tip, usually. Um, and uh, the best on-trend, what I say is a timeless trend for kitchens, is um, shaker style. So just really clean edges. And if you want to get, you know, a little detail-oriented, put an inset bead detail is what we call into shaker. Um, so that is always going to be on trend. Um, hardware is actually a really important thing, and I could preach for days about lighting, um, no matter if you're the kitchen or the bathroom. Um, but y'all, Shades of Light is a is a website that has some really good cost-effective um, lighting. Uh, try to stay away from the uh, the how do you call it the not milk glass and clear glass are always going to be a timeless trend but frosted glass um, is is something that really needs to go away <laughs> in general um, so you know globe fixtures are always going to be a timeless a timeless trend um, so Shades of Light, I highly recommend. Of course, West Elm and Pottery Barn are always good cost-effective um, resources. Um, so when you get to, in general, when you, if you walk into a home and it feels a little dingy, of course you know the first thing to do is, oh, well, painting's super easy. I get the question all the time, um, gray, is gray literally gonna be, uh, is it here, is it a trend or is it here to stay? Um, and my immediate answer is gray has never been a trend. It has always been a perfect neutral, kind of like the perfect blue jean, is kind of what I say. Um, and, but finding the perfect gray has always been one of the hardest things I've, I've found. So it's taken me about five years to find it, but Benjamin Moore Shoreline is uh, my absolute favorite. It literally goes um, in any, any lighting, any, if you get natural light, you have no light, it literally is, is literally the perfect gray. Now, if people are really, really wanting to go towards, you know, the beige, they're totally like over gray. Um, I have a client right now that um, she's over it. She wants bone, she wants beige. And we met in the middle with grayish. Uh, Revere Pewter from uh, Benjamin Moore is, is a good one, but I always take caution because um, I've seen it turn purple in some cases, but you guys, Shoreline from Benjamin Moore is, I'm telling you, it's jackpot. It always looks good. Um, there's a real trend towards um, crisp and clean. So that, that to me has never been um, on trend in terms of sort of timeless, but you're seeing a lot more of that. And I think it has to do with Instagram, to be totally honest, um, and that California cool vibe, if you will. Um, so Shoreline helps you to get like a cozy factor, but still um, that, that light and bright feel. And I'm gonna talk more about um, the California cool thing when I talk about the, the investor category. Um, but okay, so, so those are a couple tips for when you're walking around trying to you know, resell um, what could be a loser into a winner. Um, all right, so I wanna get into the second thing is if you are, um, if you have a client and their home is like, just like, oh Lord, um, how do we quickly spruce it up to make it look amazing? And this is actually one of my passions because um, I've seen real estate is my passion. On the weekend, I love to look at real, real estate. 
and see how people stage because um, it is, I've, I've been a part of um, a lot of uh, build, new builds that uh, I've come in and been paid to, not stage, but, but truly design the whole thing. And these, these uh, homes sell off market and have multiple bids. And so I see the power of really making it, I don't want to say stage, but like beautiful. So when someone walks in, if you do a couple little tweaks um, with your clients, they can, be, they can really pay off in dividends. So a couple of these, these timeless trends. I, am, I could speak for days about the importance of window treatments. I know that sounds really, really silly, but if you go to Pottery Barn and you buy the ivory, linen, emery panels, you, you have to iron them. That's a little secret, you have to iron them. But put them up and you get standard, you have to put them up all the way to the very top. I'm sure some of you guys have, have heard of this, but it makes this, the room feel much bigger. So when you're showing um, a client home, you're gonna make the, the home look bigger and feel cozier. So I have clients that will fight with me about, I have these big, beautiful windows and I don't wanna cover them and all this kind of stuff. And I say, if you have a beautiful piece of art, sometimes it can stand alone and not be framed. But once you frame it uh, professionally and you have the perfect proportions of color and texture and matting, it literally makes the piece of art or like a print that you got on Etsy for 10 bucks look like it cost $1,000. So I say the same thing with window treatments and why I'm so passionate about window treatments is because it literally transforms the space. Every single time I have seen it and I've never had someone come back to me and say, take it down. They always say, oh my God, it is a game changer. So um, so anyhow, a quick, a quick, real quick tip on that is Pottery Barn um, can really help that. Um, you know, we could definitely get into the topic of how to do custom window treatments at a really great cost, um, but that's, that's for another time. But um, that is a huge transformation. Second thing is lighting. So we can go back to Shades of Light and all those other um, uh, websites that I told you, but lighting totally can kill a space. So if your client has this god-awful, like, glitzy, terrible chandelier, go on to Shades of Light and get a clean, you know, oversized globe fixture for $3.99. Um, it completely, completely transforms because all of a sudden, it opens up your market. You know, people, a lot of times people can't see beyond the glitz. So if you put in something that's a timeless trend in terms of lighting, then all of a sudden it appeals to a lot more people. Um, window treatments and lighting, I could just, when people ask me what are the biggest transformations, I say those two things every single time. And then of course paint. So I already told you my, my, my little tidbit on paint colors. Um, so shoreline works every time. Um, okay, for staging, like little staging tips. Um, so I always say if you have a massive wall, what totally kills it is when you have a piece of art or a mirror that's totally ill-sized, right? It's like bad. So um, if you have a large space to fill, a cool piece of abstract art, and Etsy is a great uh, source to find some things. Um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll get a really inexpensive print and then buy a 30 by 40 uh, frame from West Elm, and you can do like groupings of four. And literally, it's, uh, it's something that, that your client can take with them to the next space, of course. Same thing with lighting and same thing with window treatments. Um, so always tell them, if you're going to invest in that, you can always take it with 
or you can wrap it into the deal when you're trying to sell the home, you know, so that gets paid for in the back end, if that makes sense. Um, the cozy, all right, cozy factor is a huge, a huge one. So something that completely transform a, um, like a room that's supposed to be like cozy and inviting um, is a quick trip to Pottery Barn. Um, I always say go ivory again. So with window treatments, always go ivory. That's always gonna look in any room. But um, stay, you know, do some solids. And then if you do any patterns in terms of pillows from Pottery Barn, or again, you can get some cool ones from Etsy or, or West Elm. Um, but stay away from the trellisy patterns. Anything that's simple and geometric is always gonna look good. But my go-to is always a crisp ivory um, pillow from Pottery Barn that has a, uh, a little piping of linen. You'll see it, you'll know it when you go in. They also have some solid colors. Literally layer on at least six on a sofa. I know that sound, might sound overwhelming, but um, three on each end, or sometimes it could be two on each end and one lumbar in the middle. So a quick piling on of cozy can completely transform like a terrible, terrible fratty leather sofa, if you will. And then throw a huge throw over it. And always, again, you can go ivory. Um, but cozy is always going to be on trend. And it's always going to be more inviting to when you're staging a place to sell. Um, and then one thing that I, I always get on a soapbox about is um, changing out kitchen hardware. And I forgot to tell you to say that in the, in the last one. But changing out kitchen hardware is one of the easiest things to do. And when I walk into a new client space, even if our scope isn't to do anything with the kitchen, I'm like, oh, you can really quickly change that out. Um, and it'll completely transform the kitchen. Can't tell you how many times I walk into spaces and there's like these really, really thick and then like the brushed nickel look, never do brushed. That's like kind of my 101. Never do brushed uh, nickel. And clients will argue with me that, you know, they don't want fingerprints or it's hard to clean you know and so that helps it to, to go away but I'm like it's thank you it's so it's so bad polished nickel or polished brass um, that's unlacquered by the way because it'll patina over time you don't want the 80s lacquered brass look um, those are the two timeless trends that you know completely transform I in all transparency I am a renter currently and these are every single one of these things I do to my own space and it completely I could show you the befores and afters completely transforms it I went onto Amazon and I bought polished nickel poles from like um, Amerok Amrock, thank you um, and six bucks for just a clean round knob and then I bought a back plate a square back plate that was like three bucks and then all of a sudden it looks like this bespoke you know, piece that I bought at Al Bar Well Met or Chicago Brass or, you know. Um, so I always change out my kitchen hardware. I always change out my lighting. I always, always change or add window treatments. And by the way, plantation shutters, take them off every time. Take them off. Um, and uh, space planning is really important and don't put too, too small of a rug underneath. A, that's a whole other <laughs> discussion too. Um, but when you see a teeny tiny little four by six rug that's in someone's living room, it's just, it just looks thoughtless. So go to Pottery Barn, buy a nine by 12. I'm trying to think there's like, they have a flat weave. I think that's like $5.99, not terrible. 
But again, it's something that your clients can take, can take with them. Um, okay, so I want to get into my um, trend tips for investors. Um, and this is because I've been a part of this. It's kind of like a little bit of my side passion. So this is what we're, um, we're seeing. I get the, I get the, I, I hate the cookie cutter look all the time, as I'm sure that, that, that you guys hear. So a, a lot of our clients buy, you know, homes or condos that are, have been developed in the 2000s and they all look the same. Um, so I hear this all the time. My place is so cookie cutter. I want it to be unique. So what I say to you for investors is um, start thinking outside the box and stop doing the same thing over and over again. Glass tiles are never a good, are never a good uh, d design um, element to put inside windows when you're trying to bring in light, but it's, you're right next to another, another house. That needs to always go away. Um, but uh, anti-cookie cutter is what I would urge you to, to, to do. One thing that is a huge, but that apparently is a huge trend, but we've been doing it forever, um, is wallpaper. And y'all, grass cloth wallpaper is, again, it's been around forever. It looks so expensive and it's really not that much more expensive. Grass cloth is one of the least expensive um, materials in terms of wallpaper and it's never gonna go out of style. Um, and as, as a side note, it comes in 36 inch widths and so it has this natural linear look to it that feels like art to me. Um, so it's such an easy and quick, you know, thing to put in a powder room to all of a sudden make it look like 10 times more expensive. Um, we put it in master bedrooms to make the master feel a lot more expensive, feels like a hotel. Um, and then we also will take it to the ceiling. So that's the second thing is for investors, don't forget about your ceilings. I can't tell you how many people come to me and they say, we want to add beams. Now beams have been around for a while. I think it's something that's not gonna, gonna go away because I'm continuously, people want beams because they want cozy, but there's other ways to get cozy. So wallpaper is actually how to do it. And when you put grass cloth on, on the walls, it actually, again, makes that really cool pattern. It draws your eye up. Um, and it makes people say, oh, that's really different. I would have never thought about it. And it's really not that expensive. Um, let's see. All right, the light and bright, the California, the California trend. Um, I say it's California, but again, light and bright. People want light and bright because they want a breath of fresh air when they wake up in the morning. They don't want to walk into this like overly ornate and like heavy, they, no one wants that heavy feel anymore. Um, which, which by the way is why people fight me a lot of times on window treatments because they don't understand that window treatments when done right and a light ivory can actually help brighten and, and create that, that airy feel. Um, so people are looking for lighter colors. Um, there's a return a little bit more to white. I know that was one question. Um, that was submitted because they want to feel a breath of fresh air when they when they wake up. Mm -hmm. um, as a side note, a little architectural mm -hmm. trend detail that's again, I, I, it's never gone away. But people are trying to replicate that steel and glass window look. Um, and how we do it is we just will you know we'll put in inexpensive um, you know wood framed windows, but we take the the mullions and the muntins and we just paint that black. And then all of a sudden, it looks like a really expensive, high contrast look. Um, so investors think about doing different things for your um, 
your windows. Also, specialty doors can get a little pricey, but um, I can't tell you how many people want that steel and glass look. Um, and it can, you can execute that in a, with a wood frame and a glass um, pan, inset panel. But yeah, people want this light, fresh um, feel to their space. Um, the other question that I've, I've gotten is, is open concept going away? And I, no, I, I haven't seen any indication from, from people that that's ever gonna go away. Um, just because of how we live life. Um, you know, we live in the kitchen and you need to see the kids and you, you wanna entertain. People gravitate towards the kitchen so when everything is open around it, it makes, it, it just makes for modern living. Um, you know, some people want to segment off some spaces, so we're seeing a little bit more um, hidden pantries, uh, butler air, butler pantry areas, if you will, that are truly, they have like dishwashers in them, for instance. Um, so that's something that we're starting to see. Um, uh, in terms of kitchen trends, um, mixed metals are something that people are starting to think about. Again, that's something that we've been doing for a long time, but um, doing it in hoods. So when you're trying to do something different and outside the box, always look at how you can change up a hood. And sometimes it can be really inexpensive. You can, you can get an already pre-made stainless steel and then just have someone locally custom and put strappings on them. Um, so that's something to think about. Um, and thinking outside the box with hardware in the kitchen. So doing, instead of just doing knobs and, um, and poles, start looking at like larger, more interesting hinges. Um, we do, uh, we use Cremone bolts a lot, which um, are actually a, a French um, type of hardware. They're elongated and they have a little knob. Um, and people go crazy over it, like literally go crazy over it. And you can find it on build.com for 200 bucks, you know, a pop for something that's super long. It doesn't have to be crazy expensive. Um, in terms of countertops, I mean, I love marble. I think marble should always be used in a kitchen, but no one ever agrees with me because of the maintenance. Um, you know, Europeans have marble, they live with marble, they put it on their floor, and they just live with it for decades, or excuse me, for centuries, and they love the patina look. Um, but most, most clients want quartz. Mm -hmm. So the great news about quartz is that there's a lot more um, out there that looks looks like the real thing. So while it's not my favorite, it's just like that's what everyone wants because of maintenance. Um, but I just urge you to look beyond Caesar Stone, which I love. But look beyond. There's some some great other um, companies out there that do do it really well. Um, Definity. Um, I could rattle off. Um, and by the way, if anyone has any questions afterwards, please come up to me because I'll talk your ear off about anything. Um, and then, I'll wrap it up really quickly, but green trends, um, I don't know that much about because we don't really get many requests for it, but we are starting to work on healthy homes, um, which is just people wanting low VOCs, that's been around forever, but um, looking at insulation that is healthy. And I think that from an investor standpoint, if you start looking at a couple little things and you can put it on your marketing materials, you're gonna see a big explosion in healthy home. Um, because I think it's kind of common sense. You're breathing in the materials every day. Um, so, and then tech. Um, smart homes are 
Like, there's no turning back. People want it. Um, and there's a whole range of what you can, can use. You can do Lutron from the low end and Crestron to the high end. Um, but just being able to, to have just a little bit of smart tech, I think, is a trend that's never going to go away. It's going to be um, really good for your marketing materials. Um, so as a little miscellaneous, the, the things that I have to just really quickly say that are trends that I want to see go away, because I'm also passionate about that. Um, so I talked about the trellis pattern. Um, glass tiles are just, I can't, I don't know, they're just two 90s. They, I, I don't think that they're ever really going to be on trend. Usually when I come into a project, glass tiles are the first thing that are ripped out. So I just wouldn't recommend using them um, in any sense of the fashion. Um, subway tiles are always the safe bet. Any quartz countertops that have glitter in them is a big no-no. Just don't, just don't ever do it. Um, HGTV is, the, the trend that HGTV is a leader in our industry is a big no-no. It is pure entertainment and it is not a reflection of real life. Um, and often it's glossed over that um, anyone can do our job and they gloss over the fact of just a lot of planning, there's a lot of education um, that needs to, to happen in terms of like really executing a home correctly. Um, so, I'll, I'll end on that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brim. They, uh, Home Depot is going to run out of Benjamin Moore Shoreline today, so you guys better hurry up. I saw a lot of phones come out as soon as he said that. Uh, those were some great tips. Um, next is uh, Dan Rack. Did I pronounce that right? Um, from Dan Rack Design. Um, drawing upon past experience within the professional consulting world, world, Dan possesses a keen project management mindset and knowledge managing large construction and decorating budgets. His unique blend of creative vision and the ability to effectively bring a project to a successful completion has earned Dan a reputation for excellence and a place on the best of house list for three years in a row. Use house all the time. Dan has uh, was recently named one of the top 25 interior designers by Illinois by Amara and the Lux Pad, and has been featured in Chicago Realtor Magazine, Business of Home, Editor at Large, and CS Magazine. Please give a warm welcome to Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody. So um, thanks to Bryn, she got us off to a great start here. Um, trying to build on that a little bit, I think one of the things that Bryn and I seem to have in common um, is a real focus on value. I think there are a lot of designers out there that you know, kind of have this creative vision that they want to bring together, which is super important, but also one of the things that I like to focus on, you know, value in a property and bringing that to, to your clients and you know being able to talk about what makes sense to put into a property and what doesn't I think you know and particularly from you guys I think that would make you know a big thing that you need to bring to your clients and say hey you know this is where there's an opportunity or hey here's where there's some some challenges um, faced by this property and, and um, you know I think I see a lot of it I think in Chicago in particular there's a lot of development in the early 2000s a lot of properties with you know cherry floors and cherry cabinets and um, I think it's an opportunity for you to be able to speak to your clients looking to sell and say, hey, there's a lot of value in this property. You know, the fundamentals are great. There's square footage is good. Location is awesome. But, you know, when you compare it to the new construction next door, you know, people are going to pass it over or expect, you know, a significant discount on it because of how it, how it looks. And so 
Um, I think a lot of the things that Bryn touched on, I've got a couple of pointers as well, that you know, smaller things that can just get get buyers over the hump of, hey, okay, this is, you know, uh, an option for us and you know maybe we can get it for a little bit less than the new construction property next door but you know it looks just as great um, and then I think on the same the same uh, you know talking to your buyers about properties that may look this way kind of counseling them through small changes that they can make you know when they buy the property and it can get a great deal on this because it looks the way it does right now and um, you know, if they just come in and make a few tweaks, you know, that can really kind of improve their value and their equity in the property. And so um, kind of like Bryn was saying, I think one of the biggest things, um, paint is, is huge. Um, Bryn's shoreline is, is an awesome color. I have my own um, silver satin, uh, Benjamin Moore, it's Benjamin Moore 856. Um, I think it's awesome. It's, um, you know, it's an off-white, but it's got a little bit of uh, silvery hue to it, um, a little bit of gray. Um, I think it just, it pulls together a lot of different things, um, makes makes kind of the whole room just feel light and fresh, kind of that light California cool kind of a vibe. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Um, I also, one of my kind of tricks for bringing some interest uh, into a room, um, I like painting doors and ceilings in a dark color. Um, I've got a couple of them uh, noted here. Uh, Benjamin Moore's Iron, or, yeah, Benjamin Moore's Iron Mountain is one of my my favorites. It's got a, it's a charcoal but with some brown base to it. Um, it's a really rich and deep color. And then and then Onyx is my favorite black. And um, you know a lot of clients are like, well, black is black, but there really is a difference, I think. Um, and we could spend hours kind of debating the different shades of black, but um, this one's got a slight little pearlized effect to it and really kind of just shines just without being glossy. Um, and so that's an awesome choice for, for doors. Um, again, like if the ceilings are high, I think it's a, kind of a cool way to draw the eye up and just accent it a little bit. Um, especially if, you know, a lot of, a lot of construction in the, the 2000s had vaulted ceilings. Um, a lot of new construction homes kind of in Lakeview that were built around that time have vaulted ceilings and just being able to call some attention to the architectural features, um, that's a, a cool way to do it. Um, and then a couple of my favorite whites, um, Decorator's White is a little bit more kind of a crisp, clean white. Um, and then White Dove is a, is a standard that a lot of people use, just a, just a hint of warmth without getting to that kind of too yellowy, buttery kind of, of look that, that um, you know, can go bad pretty quickly. So those, those are uh, two favorites. Um, doing the floors is another really, I think, important way. I think, you know, when you're talking about, when you're looking at buying a new home, um, you know, after five or seven years, floors just start to get beat up. Wood floors are, it's wood and it gets beat up and um, that wear and tear shows really quickly. And so I think, um, you know, a, a cool way to make it look fresh and clean is, is by redoing those. Understood that it's, you know, it's, it's some work to get everything off the floors and get them refinished. But, um, you know, if you have clients that are moving out and you're bringing in staging furniture, this is, I think, a good time to kind of, you know, for a couple thousand bucks, um, that's something that I think in buyers' minds is like, hey, look, they've done work here and it's it's fresh and, and new. So fresh coat of paint and floors would be my two kind of ultimate, um, you know, spruce up type things. Um, and then, you know, as you're talking to getting into maybe a little bit more work in, in the kitchen, um, in the bathrooms, um, I think, you know, refacing doors, as Bryn mentioned, uh, in the cabinets um, is, is a great way to do it. I think you just have to do it the right way. Um, I think a lot of people think it's very easy to have someone come in and paint cabinets. Um, that can go bad pretty quickly. I think if you have a guy show up with a paintbrush and just start slapping paint on there, it's, it's going to be bad. So um, the door should come off, it should go to a shop and be sprayed and 
Um, I think those kind of things that will really, you know, allow it. I mean, that's how you're going to get that kind of brand new look um, versus just kind of like, oh, they tried to gloss over this kind of thing. Um, so I think cabinet doors, uh, painting them, um, I guess my overall tip though is to keep it simple. And I think this is where um, a lot of people, even when we're called in, you will kind of get this fixated on like, well, what's going to be like the big, shiny, attractive design kind of feature. And, and I think I personally believe that kind of creating this really strong base of, of neutrals and just really timeless, um, high quality, natural materials, creating a strong base with that. And then layering in, if you want, if you want kind of that wow factor, do it with, you know, maybe some upholstery or some pillows, things like that, that can be changed easily. I think wallpaper is a great way to, to kind of do that. But you know, at the whole time then you have this really strong, timeless base that you put money into that kind of transcends time and um, it doesn't have to be changed out every four or five years. And so I think in particular, when you're trying to attract buyers, um, keeping it simple is the way to go. And like the, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll show like a three by six subway tile, just a simple thing. Do it, I would do it in the whole bathroom, just keep it really simple. And people kind of fight you and are like, well, isn't that gonna be boring? Like it's, and, and to me it's like, no, like they wanna do like, you know, an accent wall of glass tile or something like that. And it's just like, no, don't do that. Just keep it simple. Simple and clean and fresh um, will go way further than trying to kind of complicate it and, you know, do more than you need to do, um, in my opinion. Uh, a tip for that, I, Virginia Tile has a great line. Uh, it's like two to three bucks a square foot. Uh, they've got some really nice colors um, that you could use for, again, for, for bathrooms. You can use it for backsplashes. Um, I do like, I think backsplash tile is a, a place where you can spend a little bit more. Um, it, you don't usually need a lot of uh, large quantity. Um, and so that's a place where you could do like a marble, um, a way to bring marble into the kitchen without people fighting you too much on it. Um, I think that's a good good place to maybe spend a little bit, let that, and then you know people kind of pick up on that and like, okay, they did, like the other finishes are, are more basic, um, but this is a place where, you know, there's still kind of that overall luxe kind of, kind of feel. Um, bathroom floors, again, large format tiles. Um, I like large squares, 18 by 18, 24 by 24. Um, the larger the tile, to me, the larger the, the bathroom's gonna feel, even if it's a, a tight space. And then just keep it simple, like, like you know, uh, I like I like kind of the, the, the softer concrete kind of colors. Um, it's a simple base, avoid a lot of movement or texture in the tile. It just, again, like people think like, oh, that's cool in the tile store when you're looking at something this big, but when you put it over a whole floor, you know, it just gets to be distracting. And I think the thing is, particularly when you're trying to sell, is you don't want distracting. Um, I always tell people you, you want to avoid anything that could potentially look weird. Like, um, if it's like, uh, I don't know, that's weird. Like, then, then people just get focused on it and they can't, they can't look away from it. So simple and clean, if, if, it, if it's light and bright, um, a place where anybody would have to live and could layer their kind of personality into it, that's kind of what, um, what I would be kind of encouraging. Um, just a, a simple tip, uh, MSI out um, Elkrow Village, they've got a really great, it's a two by four marble uh, subway tile mosaic that you can use for a backsplash. And I think it's like 12 or 13 bucks a square foot. So it's a kind of a nice, just little luxe uh, quality. Um, and then I guess, you know, one of the biggest things, I'm sure you guys are telling your, your uh, sellers this all the time, but just streamlining, cleaning up the crap out of their house um, and getting it, you know, to a place where it doesn't look like, you know, 
a family of 15 people live in this house and there's just stuff strewn all over the place. And um, I think, you know, one of the things, display shelves tend to attract just lots of stuff, just thinning them out. I, I tend to favor just larger, more significant objects, uh, fewer, bigger pieces is always better than lots of stuff just kind of all over the place. Same thing with display shelves, magazines, kind of, you know, thinning those out um, and just keeping, you know, less is more, open space is okay in, in my in my book. I think, um, you know, with artwork, a lot of times people will kind of, the gallery wall is kind of a big thing. Um, it can be done really well, but it's also hard to achieve a good gallery wall, in my opinion, at least. Um, and I think things need to be hung properly. They need to be hung straight on the wall. A lot of times people do it themselves and everything's crooked. And, and then again, you walk in and all you see is this kind of jumbled wall of crooked things. So honestly, take it down, leave it clear. It's a lot better than um, being distracting or weird. Um, other th so drapery, so Bryn mentioned, this is like one of my biggest, like my biggest pet peeves. You walk in and, or you can, a lot of times you drive and you can see it from the outside and it's just, off the rack drapery, which can be done well, again, like the powder burn stuff, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's um, just gets put up there, it's too long, it puddles at the floor, and it like just looks sloppy and um, not pressed. I think, so, you know, hang it as high as you can. One of my tricks, even for off the rack, take it to the neighborhood dry cleaner, tell them what height you want it to the floor, and they can, they can trim it um, and hem it, and so that it hangs really nicely. Um, for your photos, um, if, they're, if they're operable drapery for the photos, go behind the panels and use two-sided tape and make sure the pleats are really straight. Um, that way, when people look at it in the photo, you don't have this kind of sloppy looking, or iron them, which would be good too. Um, but uh, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things that is a really, again, like people look to windows and when there's sloppy things on windows, I think it becomes, it can go really good or really bad. So. Um, if you have really great drapery, I think that's awesome. If it's sloppy, fix it. Um, and then I guess a couple just um, some overall kind of trends or things that I think we see in the design world happening. Um, there seems to be this really big shift to bold color and bold pattern. Um, again, not necessarily my thing. I'm very much kind of in neutrals, just focus on the kind of really timeless, um, really high quality natural materials, let that kind of do the work and then accent with uh, some bolder color if you'd like to. Um, but I think there are ways to do it where you can kind of be on trend or in time with um, design trends without kind of committing fully to, you know, purple cabinetry and things that we are seeing pretty regularly in, in uh, print right now. Um, so I would say, you know, Black and white cabinetry is great. Um, and then, you know, if you want really bold pattern, do that with your backsplash that can be in five years. It's not too hard to kind of take that out, put something else in that's on in the moment at the time, but you still have your kind of solid foundation of, you know, the 20, 25 year kitchen that's gonna be able to stick around and, and um, you know, still be current uh, in a couple of years. And then, you know, wallpaper, I think is really important too. I think, um, this is one that it's becoming easier to convince clients that they should put wallpaper on the walls. Again, uh, within the last three to five years, I think people have started to come around to it a little more. Um, I think a lot of people still have memories of tearing down uh, wallpaper from their grandmother's house where they spent like all weekend, like scraping it off the wall with, um, so that's kind of a, a hurdle to kind of get past, but um, it really can make such a difference. Just a, like a grass cloth or, um, 
you know, a natural material or even a larger print, it can, it can take a room from looking really nice to magazine quality pretty quickly. Um, I've got, you know, I've got um, some of my favorites, especially when families are living in the houses, there are some really great vinyls that are coming on the market that look really, uh, really great that are like grass cloths or raffia papers and um, that, you know, also are super durable. So like mudrooms and, and things like when you go in, most people's mudrooms, like it looks great for about two weeks until the family moves in and then the walls are banged up and people have bags that, that have been hitting the walls and they're all scuffed up. These vinyls are great. They can they can go on and be wiped down um, really easily um, and cleaned up and, and can look great. Um, curve, in terms of color, I think gray, um, uh, ivory gray is like a, always gonna be around, but there's it's gotten, um, it's like every developer's home now is like gray on every single surface. Um, and I think that's starting to see, like once it's gotten to every developer's project, I think that's when like the design world starts to move on. And so I think now it's, it is more of a move to kind of um, the browns and blacks, the off-whites kind of really fitting into that kind of California cool kind of focus on variation in woods and metals and, um, as opposed to just kind of the very monochromatic, super kind of grayed um, look. Although, I mean, at the same time, I think there are people too that have been seeing that now for a couple of years and now that's what they want. So I still get called and people will say, hey, I love this. And even though that was what you did five years ago, I still want it. And, and that's great. I think it's a personal preference, but I think it, in at large, the trend is moving away from that just, just a little bit. Um, and then I think, you know, in the, there's um, a trend, I think people are becoming a lot more educated. I know my clients are, um, they're focused a lot more on quality and a lot more on kind of what's unique and what's unique to them and, and how can they make their space, you know, different from every house in the block. I think one of the challenges we have in Chicago is our lot sizes are what they are. And, and so every house tends to be laid out the same way. You know, you walk in, you've got the living room, dining room, kitchen, family room, like that's just kind of how it is. Um, and so there's a lot of this kind of drive, like, okay, well, within that envelope, how do we, you know, how do we make it still unique to us and um, how do we kind of layer in our personality and make it something that's not every house in the block and um, kind of on that onset or open concept point. I, so I love open concept. I think it's great the way we live today. One of the things that I always encourage people to do, I love architectural divisions within open space. So um, like a cased opening or things that the space is still wide open, but you've got some sort of architectural division, doorways, things like that, that can allow you to kind of have a, a set of decor in one room and then a different, you know, a break or well, wallpaper in one room, but you don't have to do it in the entire kind of floor of the house. And um, so looking for those kind of elements, I think there's there are developers that do that really well. And I think there are others that you walk into the main floor of the house and it's, you know, I always look for changes in ceiling height, um, or not height necessarily, but changes of breaks in the ceiling and breaks in the room. So if you walk in the front door, if it's, if you can see across the ceiling from the front door to the back door, to me that's a bad sign. And there was a lack of attention to architectural detail in the house. If you can look and, you know, it's all open and you can see it all, but there are different kind of spaces as you move through these kind of very long and deep houses. I think that's where there's an opportunity to really kind of you know, make it um, interesting as opposed to kind of that very plain white box kind of kind of feel. Um, so I think that's, I think we can, uh, Mo, I think that's yeah. what I had. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. I took a ton of notes. Um, do we have time for one, one question? We got time for one question, anybody? <laughs> Julia in the back, pop that hand up. How do you think 
if you guys didn't hear her, how do you make a TV look good in a family room or bedroom? Wow, you start with that one. So Samsung has a new product called The Frame, and it's, um, it's awesome. I just had a client install it last week. Um, it's, it, uh, it's, flush, it's flush to the wall, and it actually has like a, you have like frame options for the side profile, and you can have like this wide selection of artwork that can show on the, like on the screen while it's just off all day. That's the best that I've seen, because otherwise it's like, I hate the TV over the fireplace, but that's just where it goes sometimes. Um, and so I, that's, but this I think is kind of a game changer. It's, it's a little bit expensive, but I think in the next couple of years, these products will become more common. Cause I think the reality is that people put the TV kind of over the fireplace or in this area of prominence, cause that's how we live our lives. And um, so that I think is a, is a game changer. Jeff? Um, yeah, there's a lot more technology that's coming out, but what if you have a TV that is prominent and there's nothing you can do about it. So what I basically tell my clients is, well, it is what it is and we basically design around it. So it kind of goes away if everything else is actually done correctly, believe it or not. Um, a little tip that you can do is, um, you know, you could put a piece of art hanging over it and put it on a hinge and open and close it. There's different tricks. Um, that you know we could get into and talk about from existing but for the most part I literally say it is what it is is part of our modern living and as long as the home is or the room is done tastefully and in proportion no one actually look at, looks at that they look at you know the windows are huge and the uh, bookcases are are styled and it's it, it's something that I just say you know live with it when you when you can yes Cabinet colors in general? Yeah. Um, brown paint, I think, is never okay. Um, a, a brown wood stain, I usually we try to take the stain a little bit more of a gray undertone. Uh, there is a, um, a finish called Ceruste Finishing that has been around um, since like the, the 40s and before, it's now all of a sudden making a comeback. Uh, again, it's never gone away, but it is, people are, are now bringing it back a little bit more. So if you've got brown cabinets and you want to restain them, I always say either do ceruste um, or put a new stain over it that has a little bit of a, of a gray tone to it because then all of a sudden it feels fresh. The brown still comes through. Um, but in terms of colors, paint colors, decorators white is like, always perfect for a white color yeah. um lord i have done a couple of like charcoals and grays pharaoh ball has if you want to do something like bold and cool like in a butler's pantry or something pharaoh and ball hague blue is really cool um pharaoh and ball elephant's breath is also a, a color that is um almost like a grige um that i've you know we've done a couple times in kitchen so it's not white white um Sorry. Yeah, I think no. I think um, I think uh, I love black and white cabinets. I think mixing the two of those kind of creates this really timeless, like very interesting, still kind of custom look. Um, I think woods are great when they're real wood and when it's stained nicely. I think there's um, a lot of like the the one to stay away from. I think you see a lot probably is. Um, like in the developer, the developers are using that kind of like chocolatey brown kind of wood tone that just like, it's not, that's not good. So if your choices are kind of from the stock cabinets option world, like 
I would say stick with white. I think you can't really go wrong with that. I think you're gonna have a lot more option. Again, like trying to do too much and if, if the budget isn't there, like stay simple um, and just stay clean and classic versus trying to cloud it up too much, mm -hmm. I would say. Awesome, thank you. And they are at this front table. If you guys have more questions, definitely stop up and see them. Thank you, guys. Um, we're done. Um, our next breakfast is April 25th. It's um, how to work with investors. Please show up to that. Thank you.